Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Customer Podcast. Our mantra is that organisations need to be where their customers are, cutting across internal silos and taking a more holistic view, delivering a consistent service across all channels, offline, online, social and mobile. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their target customers on a deeply emotional level with industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engagecustomer.com. I'm delighted to be joined by Bethan, who is from B&Q, to talk about what she's doing as far as apps are concerned, but let's start with a little introduction. Yes, it's lovely to meet everyone, as uh, Martin said, I'm from B&Q now, but recently was also working at John Lear, so at B&Q I'm head of uh, customer experience, really starting to drive a customer transformation journey there. Um, at John Lear, um, I was, the last role I did there was the uh, head of app development, and so drove a significant change in their app program over the previous few years. Fantastic. So within your magnificent vision of, of CX for the latest one you're working for, uh, where does app sit in and sort of why is that relevant? Let's just get some context for it. So ultimately, look like we all know that our personal devices, our phones are kind of integral to our daily lives. We're on average apparently spending four hours a day on them and 90% of that time is spent yep. in apps. And any of our, those transformation journeys in, us in CX are really trying to think about stringing that end-to-end -end journey together. So the one thing that is consistently present, wh whether I'm interacting with you at home or whether I'm, uh, you know, for us in a B&Q store, is that personal device. And also I think what's quite exciting about apps for that journey is if you get it right um, and you've got the right development plan, then you can also drive innovation at quite serious pace and keep up or ideally kind of exceed customers' expectations. And so I think that's why apps are exciting. It kind of plays out in the data too. Google recently did a survey that said that for um, web-only users, an average MPS was sitting at around kind of three for the people that they surveyed, whereas for app-only users, it was sitting at kind of 34. So actually, it really plays through. We yep. can really integrate that app into our journey. We can really deliver better customer experiences. That's why I get excited about apps. I buy that. I buy <laughs> that. And who are we targeting? Because uh, I, I would class myself as the amateur bodger going to B&Q. But then there's those professional-looking tradespeople who've got that other little section at the back of the of the store. Is it for both of us, or just directed towards me? So ultimately, for B and Q in our app journey, we will target you differently. We will probably have we don't yet, but we will probably have apps that work for uh, a retail audience and a trade audience because their needs are quite different, yeah. um, and therefore how we think about the vision for both those products. And that's how we think about it holistically, to be honest, in terms of customer experience, that actually our ambitions, our visions, are very kind of uh, have verticals of those two audience groups. Um, divisions below that as well, in terms of how capable you might be at your DIY, how yeah, yeah. you want to yep. fit your own kitchen or not. Yep. But ultimately, we think about those two audience groups separately. Okay, okay. And, and in terms of the benefits sitting from both sides of the relationship, what does that allow you as being Q to now do? And for me as a customer, what benefits am I getting from that? So ultimately, I think one of the reasons why we see a, a loyalty kind of driven through apps starts with the basics. So really, apps are the easiest. They should be the most easiest way to purchase from your brand or interact um, with your brand. They also give you a great way to communicate on a very personal level with people. I think if we push that to the next level, then I think the real opportunity of apps 
that first-party data. As we're kind of yep. moving into places where data is going to be harder for us to access in different ways, then where we really want to focus our strategy is to think about how can we build a very reciprocal relationship with our customers through that app to um, collect uh, interesting information about what projects that they're doing. I recently actually signed up for the Sephora, the beauty app, and I think they did a brilliant job of their onboarding of really understanding what brands I was interested in purchasing and immediately personalizing my experience to those brands and pushing that beyond value and offering me something off those brands as well. So I think that first party data collection is a huge opportunity to really then personalize the customer's experience and we'll be exploring that quite soon. Interesting you raised those as an example because I think I was, I can remember a story I had about, I think it was to do with virtual makeup or something over their app. And what was more interesting was the fact that they brought unique functionality to draw people in. Have you got to the stage where you're thinking about it's not just a shrunk down website, there's actually something unique we're able to do in that which is attractive to the customer? Or is it too early stages yet? I think that that's really interesting. So when I was building and um, working on the John Lewis vision, I think it very much started from a perspective of unique and really like delivering on that because you've got to do that first. And then actually it steps into that relationship with your loyalty team. I think if you get apps right, they've got to really be one and the same thing. You're not going to be talking about in this instance, my John Lewis over here and download the app over here. You've yeah. really got to bring those yeah. things together. And I think those are the first two stages. What we were then pushing into and, and where we're looking at with Room 2 as well is what next and what are those unique functionalities? But you have to have those two building blocks first. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of investment for people is still focused in in that space. Where we pushed in the John Lewis space, so unique functionality in the John Lewis app is AR, so uh, placing a filter in your room, placing a picture on your wall. Yep. Um, and we ultimately wanted to push that to, you know, could I get the box of that item through my door? Because actually that was an interesting pain point for customers um, in their journey. So I think we will push into that space. In B&Q, I think it will be a lot about the in-store environment. We're much earlier on our digital journey. So actually, how can we bring lots of the information that you have when you're um, on our website into that in-store environment via the mobile, uh, via your handset. So we started with functionality like finding products, which Isla did in, into scan and go is the functionality that we're working with at launch at the moment. But where we'll push next, I think we'll be really like enhancing that journey and all that functionality that we have in there. Some of those apps actually, particularly when we've blended the sort of offline and the on environments um, are also attempting to give you sort of na navigational capability because one of the interesting things I think about you know those kinds of stores is the sheer diversity of stuff that's in there and where is the thing that you need in that uh, and, and whether or not the kind of these you know the AR combination and overlays and help to get around the store yeah so we've got as far as you know you can go to aisle six and it's on right. shelf five okay now it's easier to navigate that if you have the understanding of the kind of planogram which is behind. It's not totally customer friendly yet, yep. but but actually I think where um, I think we've seen Fashion Insights do this a lot because they have the RSPI tagging yep. and it, it makes it easier to integrate that into their journey. I think ultimately there's some really good overlays. People like Scandit at the moment where you'll be able to do it by barcode on the shelf. So holding your phone up to identify where the item is in this location. Um, rather than the kind of Google Maps. So in the future, we're all going to be doing that as we go around the store. I mean, it's a really <laughs> interesting, well, well, I think it's a really interesting debate how you integrate the app seamlessly into your journey without feeling like you're looking at your phone. Yeah. Because I, if I'm making a physical journey to a shop, I'm 
making it for a really good reason, to physically experience what's there or to feed. And so we don't want to see people sort of flicking around and having a tantrum. No, that's right. Are you also, I can't remember, do you provide uh, home delivery? Is that part yeah. of the value? We do. Proposition as well. Um, I think, yeah, so we, we do provide home delivery. I think that the, um, it, I think it's a really interesting how apps can integrate into that experience. Well, I was going to say, yes. So I think Target have done this brilliantly in the US and actually have achieved 70% of their digital sales going through their app. And they're doing it by doing two things really, really well. One is um, rewards, which we've kind of already talked mm -hmm. about loads of things I can walk around and, and, and redeem my rewards. But the second is the simplicity of the collection and fulfillment process. Yeah. And, and I think that those are, that's a real opportunity in terms of Is, just as a matter of interest, imagining the store you've got, we associate the hardware side of life, but actually you've got gardening in there as well, it's just this interesting thing. Does that sit in the app and is it easy to do you know, stuff around it, what is actually quite a perishable temporary product, I suppose? Yeah, I think outdoor is a fascinating um, area. I think from an app's perspective, you, you highlight a lot of the challenges which is in, in, in choosing that product is, yeah. is um, rotating on a very, very frequent basis. You see a lot of emerging propositions online at the moment, something like a group or a patch plant where they're really giving you a very immersive experience that kind That's of right. fills, fills your flower bed. And we'd love to see some of that ability transitioned into, into the app, but it feels further away than, um, than those kind of more basic kind of binding so let's go back to that first question about what does the app give you, the brand and, and the customer, in terms of, and we mentioned third party data and stuff like that, in terms of the strength of relationship you have with customers, in terms of what you know, what you'd like to know, where the blank spots are, how's the app contributing to that objective? I mean, ultimately, in terms of what the app is giving you at the, at the most basic level is really cool tool on loyalty. So the both in the market, I think Kantar recently quoted that eighty percent of seven percent eighty seven percent of retailers are saying that their app customers are more loyal. And that's definitely the dynamic that we saw at John Lewis. So um, we you get a lot of cause and effect conversation in this space that says, well isn't it just your most loyal customers get your app and therefore yes. but actually by doing short cohort analysis, looking at kind of similar customers and then taking through ones that downloaded the app, we were able to really prove that first year incremental value and drive the investment case for the app off the back of that. So I think at the fundamental level, what the app is driving for businesses is that increased kind of loyalty. All the other things on top in terms of increasing data, for us in B&Q, a lot of um, resolving our unknown customer kind of mm -hmm. dynamic will be a big increasing our known customers will be a huge yes. opportunity yes. for us um, with the app, but actually really comes down to driving that kind of lifetime value and um, uh, increased frequency. Because presumably, for the first time ever, I can really associate uh, a pattern of behavior and interest against an identified person. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I think how we evolve, I think ultimately, I think the most important thing with apps is to really understand your vision of what the app is there to do. And I think uh, that's really got to go beyond your shopping journey. And I, if, if, if you're going to be successful and get the most out of it, and for us in B&Q, that's very likely to center on the kind of project and the project manager, the project planner kind of yeah. uh, thread. 
yeah. um, and the people that are doing it best are able to take their hat beyond. So I think you know, the starting principle when anyone asks me, well, how should we think about what's most important when developing our app? It starts with that vision and making sure everyone's bought into that vision yes. for what you can and go and work. And actually, if you can build that vision as something that's bigger that and a, an, an easy version of your shopping journey, then you're on to a kind of winning. It reminds me of the old marketing thing about what do I want? Do I want a hammer, a hole in the wall, or a hung picture? Yeah. You know, it's like the mortgage company that gets involved in helping you to move house as opposed to facilitating the finance, you know? And in your world, it's all about building the better home, garden, wherever it is, isn't it? Or house. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, Greenpeace's vision is about making it easier for you to build a sustainable home. So we right. want to focus both on ease and the sustainability thread. And when we think about that in the QX space, it's all about, we talk about being able to reuse from motivation to outcome. So right. we, people, we have enough demand of people wanting to do projects where people fall down is in their ability to translate that I would like yes. through to I've done. And I can remember at some stage noticing that you actually had some pretty good how-tos on building and developing. They were at least in paper form. I don't know where they are now. But in paper form, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but presumably they become digitized, available, and the beginning of the journey then is facilitating, thinking about that, deciding Absolutely. what you want. How you pull together that through that idea of a, if you take the project and you say, that's the kind of, I'm, I want a you know, wallpaper wall, how I bring together both the list of um, items that I need yep enable you to find those things in my store and then provide you with the how-tos really is the theme of what we all want the app to kind of achieve for customers because it's going to be there when they're doing all of those actions. So let's try and build in another theme that we've heard a little bit coming up today. We haven't had a full-on version of it yet, but the kind of the conversational AI through into the generative one, in other words, the ability through a conversational interface to start to be proactive, translating intents, and presumably auto-assembling a kind of a la carte, here's a solution, therefore. Is that too crazy yet, or is that sitting on your sort of horizon? I mean, it feels like the things that like get me excited that I'd love to get stuck into, but feel technically for us just a little bit further on the horizon. Okay. Um, and I think, I think that's what's going to be really interesting is how some of those solutions, we can shortcut through them quicker. And as we start, that's why the apps world becomes interesting, because okay. once it's involved in with SDKs, you've got the foundations of your platform working well, then actually um, there should be some good opportunities to go, I'd love to find the opportunity to go faster in that sort of space, but they're just still a little bit further out. Okay, that's cool. Anything you know about different kind of consumer response to app? Is there anything behaviorally that one can extrapolate that certain age group, gender? No, I think what was quite, we definitely have done some digging in that, in that space. Um, there is some very unsurprising kind of conclusions that we bias, you know, it biases towards younger audience dependent on your total base in terms yep. of you increased usage. But overall, um, and some people, and the, the older audience just require maybe a little bit more support to get over the initial hurdles of download, but those things are changing very, very fast. So I don't think um, anyone should be worried about, well, that's not suitable for my audience, because actually, you know, in terms of the two businesses I've most recently worked in, we would definitely be defined as people that are skewed towards an older audience. Yeah. And you've seen um, that uptake. We were you know, able to drive that usage significantly. So it's nothing that we shouldn't shouldn't kind of be worried about. I think ultimately, 
the bigger challenges with the app are about how you're set up internally to enable you to achieve your ambitions. So as well as we talked about vision before, but actually I think combining vision with how you're going to set up in your organization to develop is really important because app particularly is bigger than a digital product team's job. Right. Um, and I think classically you pull it's together. It's a single pane of glass behind which is yeah. an orchestra or not. You pull yeah. together and you know you pull together a classic digital product team. You've got your designers, your developers, your product owners. Actually those aren't you're going to need your marketeers, your traders, uh, your retailers to come together behind that vision that you've hopefully kind of built to really deliver on that ambition. It's a real team sport. Um, yes. Uh, and and I think if you can do that well, there's so much value to actually had there um, in terms of the ambition. So you teed up the question beautifully. Give me the answer then. Uh, have you gone down a sort of cross-functional, agile, let's all join in and not so forget that's the team? certainly kind of where we got to in our journey with Finlish. And it's where we're kind of, I would say, we're starting our journey with getting to. So I think having a product leadership that is driving a cross-functional team that's not just stakeholders that you're managing, but that people that are in that team and part yeah. of the game yeah. um, is the make or break, really, for how much you're going to make out of this yeah. opportunity and how you can maximize, uh, maximize that investment. And that's the journey that we're starting with here in Kiev. So we're, we're, we're very much in the digital product team Okay. At the moment, with managing some stakeholders or convincing some stakeholders on the vision, yeah. and we, we want to bring them into the team. And is it too early to have that slide five that says, and customers say to us as a result, what's starting to appear on that page in terms of the impact you're having on customers and how they're responding to it? So um, we're, def we're definitely too early in our journey at B&Q, but what we know, what having gone through that journey um, at John Lewis, Ultimately, all of the um, all of the way customers talk about it is focused around team. Uh, we just made it so easy for you to right. access what I was doing. We, we presented that information in an easy way for me wherever I was. Um, and I think taking that journey onto new functionality is, is key for me now. And I would have guessed that that will eventually translate into higher basket values and. Yeah, and I think what was interesting, we were definitely, that ease was driving enough for us to get into that kind of basket value in, 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 in the John Lewis context. And I think if you look out into the market, I think what would be interesting is how, when you look for examples where people are very much pushing it beyond the kind of transaction journey, and you've got some really good examples out there where you know, ultimately the app is kind of part of a product. Um, the, the app on my phone that I'll never delete is, um, I don't know if anyone's got, Charles got a Yoko box. But um, they're like a Tony, uh, some people might, might have heard of the Tony box, but they're like ultimately they play, um, you know, they play audio tapes, they play stories. Okay. Um, but it's the, the app itself allows you to take those cards that they're putting in the device at home into your car. They've taken it further oh yeah. than that by like aggregating children's radio stations, children's podcasts. And they've started with the app being part of the product. They've recently integrated that to the transaction journey to buy those products into the app. But that was clearly very much secondary yeah. to their app ambition. And really, when you were buying the kind of device for child, you were, the app was part of that package. And they do a brilliant job of engaging their users on the changes that they want um, to bring you on that journey with them. And so uh, I think that's, that's where there's a real broad ambition of what people can do with the app beyond having stuff on it. That's very cool. I suspect B&Q is going to end up with a very good app story soon. Uh, I, I hope so. 
Yeah. When, when is it going to win a prize? Well, Next year or the year after? <laughs> I reckon the year after. Year after. Okay. Yeah. We'll hold you keep, to keep, that. Keep an eye on it. We'll hold you to that. Thank you so much for the story so far. Yeah. That's been great. Thank you. Loved it. Thank you very much.